So, how are you doing? (laughs) It's getting quiet, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it happens. You start to, you enter into the silence and it's almost like you're, sometimes you could feel like you're thrown into the silence. It's like, oh wait, too too much, too fast. (laughs) It gets very, very quiet. And I thought maybe before I begin with the talk this uh, afternoon, I would just check in with you and... um, Oh, something that I like to do sometimes is just to find out how you are is just to take a pulse. And that means that um, you just say say one word about your mood or your mind state or, or where, you're, where you are. And um, we'll just kind of throw it, throw it out. And I'll just repeat back what, what people say so that, because sometimes a lot of people will talk at one time, but we would just want to hear each one. So... Um, just kind of what what's the what's the pulse for you who wants to start sad sleep did you no sad very sad so sad sad so sad yeah so sad uh-huh. relaxed calm calm settling settling Grateful. 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 Mm, partners. <laughs> immediate experience. Immediate experience. Immediate experience. I thought first first you said chameleon, but <laughs> these are similar. Immediate experience. Mm-hmm. Content. Content. Full. Full. Mm-hmm. Tired. Oh, you're probably not alone. <laughs> Disoriented. Mm-hmm. Sleep deprived. Sleep deprived. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know until you come, right? <laughs> Curious. Curious. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anyone else? Quiet. That's a good one to end on. <laughs> quiet, yeah. It's very quiet. Yeah, I feel quiet also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of, lot of different uh, temperatures in the room, right? A lot, lot of different waves of uh, mind states and emotional states and awareness states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just entering in, you know. We're just um, beginning. It's uh, often, often I have this sense of uh, taking a voyage, like we're, 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 we've um, the ship has pulled out of the harbor, and, <laughs> and we're leaving the shore behind, and we're kind of looking back and, you know, waving a little bit. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we we don't actually know where the ship is going though. You know, that's the thing sometimes when you're on a a cruise, there's a clear destination. But when you come to Spirit Rock for these retreats, (laughs) we don't actually know where we're going. (laughs) And I think that's that's part of the, um, what's part of the adventure, right? So we've, so the ship has left the harbor, 
We're kind of we're out we're out there now a little bit. We still can see the shore, you know. And some people go, well, so close. I think I'll just get go back to the shore and go back to where I came from, right? <laughs> Got a few of those too. But uh, you know, but you're still here. You're all still here. And I'm always, you know, um, I'm always very aware that, you know, the, the gates are open, the doors are open, you know, maybe some, maybe not all of you have cars, but, so you're kind of trapped. But most people, you know, if you wanted to go, you could go. But people stay, you know. Uh, sometimes I tell, I tell the story of um, my very first retreat it was a weekend, just a Friday night to a Sunday afternoon, and by the mid-Saturday afternoon, which would be about now, I was having a nervous breakdown, <laughs> and I just didn't think I could manage it at all. I mean, it was a small retreat. There were only about 15 people. This was a, a very a long time ago, and we were just starting to do retreats. And I just was freaking out just to be left with myself to be left with myself without any distraction, without anywhere to go. Um, I mean, I know, I mean, you could always go, right? But if you stay in the retreat, it was just so frightening. And um, uh, I tell this story, maybe some of you have heard it, but, you know, I thought, well, you know, I had this memory from when I was a child in, in school, and one of the places that always felt safe was to go to, go to the bathroom, and close the door. Somehow that felt like a safe space, you know, like nobody could get me here, you know, but I think I did that. And then I was in the bathroom and I went, well, wait a minute, I'm still here. You know, I haven't gone anywhere. You know, I was trying to get, I was trying to get away from myself and I couldn't get away from myself. And like, there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to go to get away from myself. And I remember that, I remember that feeling so well of uh, realizing that there was no escape, which is kind of the, one of the first insights. It's the first awarenesses that we have, you know, when we come and sit down and look at our own mind, our own heart, we go, there's, no, there's nowhere, nowhere to run, nowhere to run. Of course, it takes a long time, often takes a long time to actually wake up to that because uh, much of our humanity is running still running, thinking that somehow there is going to be an escape, but there isn't one. So it's one of the first things that we wake up to, one of the first things that we recognize is, okay, this is it, right? This is one, this is it, this is it. What am I, if this is it, how am I going to be with this? How am I going to stay here? How am I going to rest into my own experience? So, so we set up this um, container, this structure here at Spirit Rock to really hold us, to support us for whatever we go through. If we can manage to stay, you know, if we have enough inner resources to be able to stay with what's going on, then there's a lot of support. You know, there's a lot holding us here. Plus the community, the community of like-minded practitioners that come together, that we all have the same shared values. You know, we're all really on the same journey together. And so we support each other on that journey together. It's a lot easier to uh, practice with others than it is by ourselves. Some people were talking about that today in the group. You know, just um, 
you know, just when we're on our own, it's, there's a lot of other things we have to manage, you know, with food and, you know, taking care of ourselves and you just don't have the same kind of support as we have here with the schedule and the teachings and the practices and being cooked for and, you know, everything is, everything is taken care of. There's nothing we really have to do. So we can really just let go into our experience, be with ourselves. This whole thing is set up for you to simply be with yourself. And sometimes it might feel like the very last place you want to be. (laughs) And yet, what's interesting is that when we look deeply, we do find that part within that says, yes, I really do want to be here, even though it's painful, even though it's difficult at times, even though I don't even really know why I'm doing this, but I know that I want to be here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. If that part wasn't alive in you, if there wasn't some part of you that knew that this was the right thing, you wouldn't stay. Just as I stayed on that weekend, um, my teacher uh, at the time said, uh, just chill out, right? Just chill out. Just take a walk. Go, you know, take a walk. Look at the, you know, look at the trees. Um, look at the birds. Just relax, you know. And it really was very, very good advice because I was very, very wound up and very, very tense. And that just, you know, helped things loosen up. I stayed till the end, which seemed like a marathon to get through the Sunday uh, afternoon. And then I wanted to go back. Then I wanted to go back. And I, I reflect on that, you know, that even though it was so hard... And, you know, and I, and I really did think I was flipping out. But I, afterwards, when I got through it, I was like, that was really good. <laughs> I want to go back. And this was, you know, this was probably almost 40 years ago. You know? And it set me on a very strong path, strong path, strong journey. So, you know, it's... Uh, it just there's something that that keeps us here. There's something that we're listening to. This is why this um, period of time, this afternoon, where we just have to listen. You just listen and for that hour and a half, where there's not the structure, there's not the schedule, there's no teachings. Uh, maybe there's not even anybody here in the hall. You know, you don't know where people are. Maybe everybody scatters. You know, you're on your own, but you're listening. You know, that's, that's what this is really about, learning how to listen deeply. I, I came across this, um, uh, something I shared the last retreat I was teaching um, uh, from the, uh, uh, it was 19, I think it was 1953, the, the United Nations was having um, a kind of a Sabbath day. And they um, gather together for a, um, a time of silence and a time of deep reflection. And, um, and someone put together this prayer. It's called a, a, a call to prayer. It was actually uh, 1990. Oh, 1990. Yeah, not that long ago. Not in the 50s. 1990. And... Um, um, and it's so beautiful. It was so be- beautifully written. And I want to read it because I think that it really um, speaks to what we're doing here now. 
It goes like this. We who have lost our sense and our senses, our touch, our smell, our vision of who we are, we who frantically force and press all things without rest for body or spirit, hurting our earth and injuring ourselves, we call a halt. We call a halt. We want to rest. We need to rest and allow the earth to rest. We need to reflect and to rediscover the mystery that lives in us. This mystery that is the ground of every unique expression of life. The source of the fascination that calls all things to communion. Right? This mystery this mystery that calls all things to communion. We declare a Sabbath, a space of quiet for simple being and letting be, for, for, for recovering the great forgotten truths, for learning how to live again. Right? And it says it all. It says it all. What we're, why this, this call, the call to prayer, right, which is a call to deep reflection. Mm-hmm. This uh, need to reflect and to rediscover the mystery that lives in us, that is the ground of every unique expression of life, the source of the fascination that calls all things to communion. Right. I love that, that, that image of being called to communion, connection, that sense of interbeing, interconnectedness, which calls us together here. And we declare the Sabbath a space of quiet. This is a space of quiet for simple being and letting be. Right? For simple being and letting be. And yet, when we come into the space of quiet, it doesn't necessarily feel so simple sometimes. <laughs> Our inner experience can feel very complicated, very complex, very difficult and painful at times. And yet we know there's a way through. Again, there's that sense of, of um, trust, you know, trusting the, 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 the teachings, trusting the, the practices, trusting the path, the call, trusting the call to prayer that there is something that we can experience as simple being, being simple. So very much of the way we set this retreat up too is to make it as simple as possible, you know, just to not have anything really that you have to engage in. I mean, it can seem... um, maybe a little sparse <laughs> at times, like, well, give me something, right? <laughs> give me something to chew on. You know, like a, a dog likes to chew on a bone. But, you know, it's like, no, we just, we take it all away. But, but it's for you to perhaps start to feel and sense into the simplicity. You know, like the simplicity of, of one breath. Just breathing in, breathing out. 
And actually being connected to that, being in contact with a simple breath of breathing in and breathing out, or just our foot on the earth, taking a step and feeling the, 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 the contact of our foot on the earth, and then the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And then this sense of being alive, a body moving in space and time and connected to this earth, the air and the sun and the trees and the plants and the birds and the creatures and the, I'm a human being on this earth. And we can perhaps start to feel, even through the emotional uh, uh, veils of our, of, our, of our history, we can start to, to taste or to feel that, that simple, being, the simplicity of being starting to breathe through experience. And that's what's really possible for us, you know, why we, we, say, we say keep doing it, keep going, keep going, keep going. Even through when, when it can feel rough sometimes or, or, or thick, it's almost like our experience can feel thick because there's so much of our past or so much of our history that's coming through our experience at any given time. And, and it can feel heavy or, or weight, weighty, you know. And yet we keep going. We keep going. We bring all of our, of our understanding, our, of our resources, our wisdom, our awareness, uh, what, what we know about the practice, and keep going. Well, somebody said something lovely in a small group today about, you know, knowing that, that a door opens and as I walk through that door then another door opens and then I walk through that door and another door opens it's like that sense of trusting that I just need to keep going and I'll go through that door I'll get on the other side and then something else will present itself and I can then go through that door and this beautiful uh, sense of opening like a flower like the petals of a flower kind of open in the sunshine Right? And we do this. We do this with love, with loving kindness. It's a. It's like. It's not even that we do this with loving kindness. That's not even accurate. What's really more accurate is that there is a connection with a source of love. That is who we are. That is the source of our being that starts to shine through. It starts to come through, and it orients us towards more loving actions, loving ways of being. So when I keep walking through the door, when I say, even though the door feels like a hard one to walk through and I walk through, it's love that's ushering me through or I wouldn't go through. Otherwise, I would just be so caught in fear and the ego fear, called ego fear, this fear would become so real and so binding that we get paralyzed by it at times. We can't move. We can't move. But sometimes there's enough love, there's enough holding in the experience in the environment, and we can just, it just nudges us along. It's a beautiful kind of sense of just kind of holding us, and, and, and it's okay, it's okay, keep going, you can, keep, you can stay with it. You know, and we just go through and it's, this, it's, it's because we're connected 
to our own source of well-being and our own source of goodness and our own source of love. Or, or you would not be here. I can tell you that. I know that from enough experience over the years of teaching and working with people that there has to be a whole lot that happens before somebody arrives in this room. There has to be a whole, a whole set of conditions that, that come together where there's some ground of trust, there's some ground of inner kindness, loving kindness, that begins to move us towards that which is healthy for us, that which is wise for us, that which is going to uh, reinforce and encourage more love in our life and more harmony in life, in our life, and more kindness. It's, it's already coming through. And that's the good news. <laughs> that's good news. Even though it may look, my experience might look a, a very different way. You know, like I'm really struggling, it's really hard, and I, have, I don't know if I can do this, I'm really in so much fear, or whatever it is. But something's moving us along. Yeah. Oh like the wind in the river, you know, just kind of things flow along. There's this um, poem from Hafiz, this wonderful 14th century Persian mystic poet. He says, How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. So unless we have that encouragement of light against our being, is how it was translated, you know, the encouragement of light. But where is that light arising from? Where is the source of that light? We're not necessarily talking about, I mean, the, the, the metaphor is the, the rose was encouraged by the light. It, 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 it implies the sunlight. But, the, but what's being pointed to is the inner sunlight, that we all are the source of this sunlight. We are not different. We are not different than, the, than nature and all of nature and the source of nature. We are that manifestation of that light. And so through the practice, I was talking this morning about the um, stilling, the process of becoming more still. And as as the mind starts to become more quiet and more still, it's, it's, it becomes more mirror-like. It's like it's more clear, so things can be reflected, reflected back, mirror-like uh, consciousness, mirror-like awareness. And so it's the same kind of uh, uh, metaphor in a way where there's a stillness, but it's clear, and there's a light that can be illuminated on the surface of that mirror-like consciousness. So, so we can see Things become illuminated, they become bright, become clear, become clear. We become, we become clear to ourselves <laughs> because we're starting to be in connection. We turn, we turn the, the, the light of consciousness back on ourselves. 
we look at our own mind, we look at our bodies, we look at our heart, we start to know ourselves in a way that we can't otherwise know ourselves unless we are engaged in that process, that process of turning. We call it turning the mind, turning the mind back, back here, back to what's happening in this moment, this moment's experience. We might talk about this in another way, way that I talk about it a lot in my teachings, is uh, that we're, we're, we're shifting from an, what's called an egocentric position in our life to what I call a dharmic-centric position. So rather than being in this posture of self, of me, you know, there's a me in this world and you're, I'm here and you're there, and it's a very dualistic perception of the way things are, as we start to turn that light of consciousness on our own mind and body and about on, on how things are in this world, it's like those boundaries of self and other begin to dissolve. Things aren't so separated. They're not so uh, uh, isolated entities. But that those boundaries start to dissolve and, and we start to feel what's called the dharma. The dharma means... Um, the law, the law, or the way things are, or the harmony of things. The Dharma is another word for nature, or the natural laws, the way things are. So when you hear in this tradition the teachings of um, seeing the way things are, this is what we say a lot in the Vipassana, or the, the insight practice, is to see clearly the way things are. What that means is to see the Dharma, Right? to see the Dharma, to see clearly the way that this uh, universe operates, the laws of this, of this universe, which is not just egocentric. <laughs> it's not just about me, <laughs> which is where the ego goes, right? It's, it's I'm, the center, I'm the center of attention all the time within my own mind, right? I'm the star, you know? And um, unless I see through that, I see that actually there's more going on than just this storyline of me and my life and what's important to me and what I value, then, then I'm not going to see a bigger picture. I'm not going to see from a, a lens that allows me to see a bigger picture of what's actually going on here. So we are... Uh, uh, opening out our perception, opening out this lens of perception so that we can actually see things a little bit differently. right? Because the ego mind is too small. The way our ego mind, the way the thinking mind, thinking mind is another word for the ego mind because it's all self and other, right? dualistic perception. So, so that's a very small, narrow, confined view of the way things are. It can't, it's, it's, it's very limiting. If we, if we continue to live within that, what we call the ego cage, it's kind of, we can be caged there, you know, we are going to feel unhappy and unsatisfied because I will never get what I want. <laughs> The universe isn't set up for me to get everything that I want. It isn't the way things are. I'm not going to get everything I want. 
I can have some visions or some hopes or some dreams and then I can try to uh, move those forward. But unless I understand the teachings of letting go, unless I understand the teachings of opening out to a greater intelligence, a greater understanding of the way things are, that makes me quite small in the face of all of that, I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to be caught in that uh, the, the grasping mind, the wanting mind, the demanding mind, the controlling mind. And it's that mind that causes the contraction and the constriction and the suffering that we feel, this, uh, the dissatisfaction that we feel within ourselves. Anytime that we make a demand and we're holding on to, expecting that to happen, we're, this is it. We're going to feel this, this tightening grip And any time we start to tighten, the body tightens and we feel the pain of that. I'm already feeling like I got to (laughs) breathe. It's like, (laughs) so it's like, okay, let go. Open the hands, let go. Let the shoulders relax, let the arms relax. (sighs) That feels better. Yeah, yeah. So we're just really trying to get a sense of that movement. That movement, that's a movement from what I call the egocentric, me, 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 to letting go, opening out to something much bigger that I cannot control. And we have so much evidence for that, and yet we seem to somehow look another way as if all the evidence that we can't get what we want isn't there. You know, but we just keep going for it and going for it and going for it in this kind of painful, constricted way through our judgments and our anger and our resentments and our resistance and our fears and our... No. So, so you can see, you can, you can see that what, what we're being invited into is, is a letting go, is a letting go. And we, we need to start with something very experiential, something very direct that we can feel and we can know. And that's why we start with the body. We start to, because we can feel when we start to become sensitive, we can start to feel when we get contracted, when we get tight, when the, when the body gets tight, when the heart gets tight, when our belly gets tight, when we're not breathing very well when we get tight around our eyes and, and start squinting and, and, and this whole kind of feeling of toppling forward. You know, we, we actually start to lose our balance. We're moving so quickly towards what we want that sometimes we forget about the stance of being, simple being, <laughs> simple being, resting back into a larger picture where we can trust this greater unfolding. Trust the way things are unfolding that are outside of our control. This is the Dharma, Dharma perspective, Dharma-centric, where the wisdom and the awareness of our understanding, our te- the teachings, the practices start to shine through and they're actually making a difference in our life. They make a difference in the choices that we're making and how we're orienting 
in our lives. So that, so that the, the ways that we're moving brings more and more satisfaction. And that's how we start to know whether we're going in the right direction. Because all, all of the ancient spiritual teachings say that these teachings move us toward into experiences of greater and greater feelings of ease and well-being. Greater sense of happiness, greater sense of ease, openness, relaxation. In every spiritual tradition, every mystical tradition is pointing towards some kind of what's called heaven realm, right? (laughs) Now there's all different kinds of uh, descriptions and um, uh, ways that that's depicted, those different heaven realms. But they're all heaven realms, right? That means we feel good, we feel at ease, we feel at peace, we feel peaceful, we feel at rest in ourselves. And that's the direction that we're going. So the Buddha speaks about really starting to understand what we're doing that moves us in ways that feel more contracted, more painful, more dissociated, more um, separated, and the ways that we're engaged in activities and ways of being that bring us into places where we feel more open, where we feel more at ease, where we feel more satisfaction, where we feel more connection, where we feel more love. And one way to understand the path, the Buddha's path, is simply that. Is simply bringing enough awareness, enough attention, and interest, curiosity, to begin to look and see, well, when I go this way, that happens. But when I go this way, that happens. And, and in a way, we start to develop this inner compass where we start going in directions <laughs> that give us more sense of satisfaction and more ease. And it's very, you know, it's, it's almost like a technology, you know. I mean, that is sometimes the, the Buddhist teachings have been called like a science, and it's almost scientific because of its logic, the logic involved in that, where we can actually become the one who is under the microscope and being experimented upon. <laughs> so, so we just start to feel and start to sense. Well, what, you know, just like a compass. Well, if I go this way, that happens. And we can, we can continue to make simple adjustments. We just make adjustments. So like all through the day, and this isn't in a macro way, I'm talking about in a micro way, here, even here on this retreat, you know, we just start to sense what, what's happening, how am I feeling, what's, a, what's the effect, the effect of, of what I'm doing right now. What is it, what's the quality of my mind, what's the quality in my mood, in my mind state, in my body. And we just start to sense more and more whether there's something that feels right. Does it feel right? Even though, as I said, it doesn't look any particular way. I could be having a meltdown, and it's still I know it's right. <laughs> I know I need to be having this meltdown. <laughs> to anyone else, it would look like I'm, you know, I'm, ha- you know, kind of going off the, the deep end. But I know, 
this is right. Just like when I, when I was on that first retreat. You know, just something that kept me there. Even though I was having a meltdown. <laughs> but there was this inner knowing. And so that's what we're, we're connecting with more and more. Kind of this deep sense of trust. And, and, and again, it's, it's a trust that's guided by this loving kindness. This, this, this connection with this deep well within us of loving kindness. Or else how would we know? It's, this isn't random. That's why this is, you know, this is often called a scientific technology because it's so logical. This is not random. So, so, so what we learn as we practice and understand the Buddha's teachings a little bit more is how this technology works so we can start applying ourselves to, to it. Right? So, so, so partly what's, what's fueling and what's motivating that, um, that sense of wanting to do this and, and continue, continue to go forward with it is that deep sense of inner knowing and the wisdom that moves within us that is guided by this loving kindness. And that's what we want to strengthen, that's what we want to cultivate, that's what we want to reinforce. And as we do this practice, as these days that you're here, you are doing that. That's, you are reinforcing this inner wisdom. You're reinforcing this, this uh, loving kindness. You're reinforcing mindfulness. You're, you're reinforcing these beautiful qualities of your being because that's the direction that you're going. I love this uh, quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a wonderful Zen master, Vietnamese Zen master. Probably most everybody knows of Thich Nhat Hanh. He's uh, guided our, our practice for many, many years now. He says, if I lose my direction, I have to look for the North Star. And I go north. That does not mean that I expect to arrive at the North Star. I just want to go in that direction. <laughs> so, so I think it's very interesting that we need to have some, something that we're pointing towards, right? You know, we, we have to have some sense of going that way is the right way to go. So we have something we call the North, our North Star, you know. But, but what what keeps us moving towards the, the, the North Star? What keeps us on that track? I, why, how do we know? It's like the, the stuff in a compass that knows where true North is, you know? It's like there's something there. There's something that lives in us. There's something that is, we're made of, you know, that orients us in the right direction when we pay attention. <laughs> Now the key is pay attention because so often we're not paying attention. That's what happens. The the egocentric position, which is often, um, not often, I have to say it like it is, the egocentric position is motivated by fear. 
not often motivated by fear. <laughs> it is motivated by fear because it doesn't, it's not connected to reality. You know, when I think that I'm a separate entity from everything else, I'm isolated, I'm separate, I'm dis- distinct from everything else, a very mechanistic, me- mechanistic point of view, you know, that I'm just moving through this world as a thing and everything else in the world is a thing and we kind of bump, bump, bump up against each other. We knock up against things and, you know, this kind of random sense of how things are. You know, when I, when I think of it that way, that there's, there's a disconnection from the way things really are and there's a fearful insecurity in that. Can you imagine if, if I really believe that I am this, you know, disconnected from everything else and kind of moving through life this way and not really knowing what's going to happen next and, you know, I could collide with anything at any time, you know, it's going to be very insecure. There's nothing that's very trustworthy in that. I'm going to have to find something that feels reliable, something that feels trustworthy which is what brings us more into the dharma, this kind of dharma. We, 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 we need to, I always have this image of kind of settling into a warm bath. It's just a lovely, sensual kind of feeling of that, you know, just when it's exactly the right temperature, not when it's too hot and not when it's too cold, but it's just the right temperature. And we just just settle in and kind of go under and just feel that warmth, per, warmth permeating through our whole body, our whole being. And it's like that with the Dharma. We just start to sink in, sort of melt in, settle into this, this holding, this warm kind of more oceanic kind of, uh, uh, holding that is that will hold us that is trustworthy that is reliable it gives us some kind of ground where we can rest if we don't have that it's a very difficult and painful existence that we're engaged in and then the ego comes up with all kinds of strategies to try to get out to find some kind of satisfaction you know a couple of the strategies that we, we can find ourselves in is one of them is we just kind of uh, turn off and go numb. You know, just we don't feel anymore. Just kind of the heart shuts down, the body sort of shuts down, and we're just not feeling, moving through life in a way where we're just not even fully here anymore. Uh, going numb. And we can isolate and withdraw you know, kind of out of that, that fearful insecurity, just like nothing feels safe, nowhere feels safe. And we just keep isolating more and more and more because we think somehow that's going to keep us safe. But it's just not, it's, it's not satisfying. It's so unsatisfactory. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't give us what we hope it's going to give us. Or we can go the other direction. Rather than pulling in, we can start... Um, taking that energy out through blame and anger and resentment and, and get, get a- angry at the world, get angry at other people, um, and get, let that rage or anger uh, go outward. And again, still not feeling, not connected, not really knowing what's going on here. Somehow that's going to help things along. <laughs> that's going to change things in, you know, to our favor in some way, Right? Or, or a cynical 
lot lot more cynical uh, attitudes these days. And of course we could say there's good reason, right? But, um, but it's not helpful, you know, this kind of this attitude of, um, I don't trust anything unless you prove it to me, you know, or I see it for myself, you know, show me, show me the goods and then I'll trust you or I'll trust this, you know, just kind of a, and we're still kind of more isolated and, and uh, s- separated from, from what's really going on. Another strategy is we can get very busy, very kind of driven. Uh, we talked about that, which, which can happen is another way of, of feeling some, uh, uh, it feels like a way to not have to really come into touch, contact with, with reality because reality is too frightening, it's too insecure. So, so again, just kind of overriding, overriding our experience. Another strategy is uh, fixing uh, problem solving, always needing to fix other people or fix situations or fix what's going on and like tinkering and manipulating and just trying to get things to our satisfaction. And we find out that that doesn't work either because things are always changing and falling apart. <laughs> as soon as we think we've got a problem solved, then, you know, another problem pops up somewhere else. Like, you know, when we squeeze a tube of toothpaste and the cap's on and you squeeze it really tight and then the toothpaste will come out in other places. <laughs> you know, it's not like, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And of course, the, the biggest problem, one of the biggest tragedies in our human um, condition is addictions. And addictions take many, many, many different forms as a way to cut off and run away and shut down and try to escape. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. These are all ways that we try to move away from ourselves and disconnect, to avoid and distract. And we just feel small, feel small and contained and alienated and fearful. Right? There's nothing that's dependable, nothing that's trustworthy. So I think it's only when we start to confront this. What is it? You know, ask this question, like, is there, is there a way out of the dissatisfaction? Is there a way out of this pain and suffering? Which is really the, the question the Buddha asked and the Buddha was motivated by. Is there an end? Is there an end to this pain? Is there an end to this suffering? And the Buddha did find a way out. And the way out was through understanding and um, realizing the Dharma, the way things really are. The deep realization of this, the nature of all things, that there is no separation. There is no distinction. We are all of the same stuff. This Buddha nature, sometimes it's called. This, this awake, awake energy. So when we stop and we deeply look at ourselves, of course we're going to see these patterns. This is a lot of what we start to see, right? I mean, what do we think we're going to see? 
when we, when we start to slow down and really start taking a look, we're not just going to wake up to Nibbana, to, to enlightenment. It, it's not a fast track. <laughs> you know, we, we do have to find our way through these egoic patterns and come to some understanding about how they're not helpful and they're not working. They're not showing me a way out. They are actually continuing to reinforce the patterns that are creating this suffering and pain. So we come to um, a place where, as I said, something starts to break through, this kind of uh, loving support, kind of a a sense of, I, I know what I need to do. I know where I need to go. You arrive at a place like this, and you start to look more deeply. Even though all of this, maybe at times, inner turmoil or inner difficulty is going on, there's a sense, okay, it's okay. I know this is what I need to do. I know this is right. There is no other way out. And with that, we start to feel the loving kindness. We start to feel the loving kindness that is nudging us, that is holding us, that, that holds us as we go along. And we feel the support of that, love, that inner loving kindness. We feel, we feel the... The, the, the holding of it, the comfort, the soothingness of it. We feel how, how it supports us and holds us. And then we keep going in that direction. We keep practicing with loving kindness, with these uh, uh, practices of compassion and equanimity and uh, what we call joy, uh, empathetic joy, uh, moving towards things that bring more joy in our lives. We, we start to move more and more in that direction. This is the turning of the mind. We're turning the mind away from that which causes us pain and suffering and moving, turning the mind towards that which brings uh, happiness and joy and freedom. Right? But we have to start to feel that. We have to start to know that. And one of the places we start is with this self-love really turning the loving kindness towards ourself, really starting to be able to recognize when we're not being kind, when we are being judgmental, when we are being harsh or angry with ourselves, we recognize that and we turn away from it and we turn towards a more loving and kind response or stance. One of the ways we do that is through the loving-kindness practice. So it's a metta. We call it metta in this tradition. We'll be, we're going to be doing some loving-kindness practice this evening where we're actively engaged in that turning. It's so vital to have some way to begin to recognize what these obstacles are, these, these hindrances are that get in the way as we go along our path. So we plant the seeds. We plant the seeds of wisdom, of loving kindness, of awareness, of mindfulness, of generosity. We just, we keep planting those seeds and they do bear fruit as we go along the way. And then we trust that. We trust that. And we begin with ourselves. The Buddha says, I search the whole universe with my mind and did not find a single being 
more worthy of love than myself. Self is as dear as every other. He or she who loves oneself will never harm another. He or she who loves oneself will never harm another. So, so, so I hope you can hear in that where these destructive habits arise from. They arise from a place where we, 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 are ter- we really are contacting a place of, of uh, almost like hate or self-violence within ourselves, where we're not recognizing how we are relating to our own goodness, our own heart, our own being. So we work with the love, with the self-love, the self-compassion, the, the forgiveness. We work with welcoming, welcoming all things into our experience. Not to resist, not to be frightened, not to push away, not to judge, not to get angry, because then we're reinforcing all those qualities in the mind. So if we can see that, if we can recognize that we're engaged in that kind of behavior, then we can turn it, turn the mind towards something, some way of being that's kinder, that's gentler, it's easier on ourselves. And of course, sometimes it feels like it can take a lifetime (laughs) Maybe that's why we have a lifetime. (laughs) Maybe that's why we were given, if we're lucky, right? If we're lucky to have a lifetime, you know, and we arrive on the path, we arrive on a spiritual path, then it takes time. It takes time, it takes commitment, it takes courage, it takes a certain willingness to keep going because we're going to hit up against obstacles, that's the nature of the path. And no matter how long we've been practicing, no matter how long we've been practicing, these patterns are deeply rooted in our being. And so we need to stay awake. We need to pay attention. For myself, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, that I feel much more urgency in my practice now to stay awake than I ever did because I'm so much more aware of all the pitfalls (laughs) and all the obstacles and the traps. I just, they just seem like they're everywhere. (laughs) And so I have to be even that much more vigilant, that much more awake, because I can't deceive myself that I don't know. I know, I see it everywhere. So I have to be so uh, vigilant and disciplined with myself. So it's not like there's a, p- a time where we can, you know, kind of, we wish there was, where we could just kind of say, okay, the work is done and now I can just lie back and rest. <laughs> it doesn't really feel like that. You know, this, this world is too difficult. This is a, it's a hard world. It's a difficult life for many, many, many beings. And when we start to, when we start to um, wake up, it's not like it's just me who wakes up. Because then I start to see all the suffering and all the unconsciousness, all the pain and destruction that's happening everywhere. And 
I'm deeply, deeply touched by that, deeply moved by that. And I want to do whatever I can to support all beings coming into greater consciousness, to greater heart, greater compassion, greater wisdom, so that this world can be a better place for all beings. Maybe it's an ideal, maybe it's uh, not even possible, but yet as we start to feel more deeply into the way things are, I don't know if we have any choice. The path becomes somewhat choiceless. The direction that we start to go in becomes fairly choiceless. So let me end there and let's just sit quietly for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.